Well, happy Easter to every one of you. Again, just like Juan said, if you were here uh, for our egg hunt, we hope that you had a great time. We hope your kids had a great time. We, we did, and we know that you guys got a big haul of eggs and candy. So um, I want to keep that theme going. I don't know if you're like me that goes around to your kids' baskets and steals whatever candy you want to steal, uh, but that's what I like to do. I like to just take the candy you know, that I want to eat for my kids. But So I want to keep along with the theme of, of giving some candy away, but I need you to participate if you're willing to participate if you get it right. So here's, here's the deal. Um, I, I like, I don't know if you like, but I like, um, you know, a good, you know, catchy commercial jingle. Anybody else like a good catchy commercial jingle? Yeah, yeah. And man, if they can nail it, they can get it right. And then the only thing annoying about that is that it gets stuck in your head, right? And you're sort of like saying it over and over again. You're like, ah, oh, get this out of my head. But they, that's what they want you to do. They want you to, you know, remember something important. They want you to remember their, their brand. And so, so they have these jingles that they write in order for them, for you to remember what their brand is. So let's practice. Let's practice on a jingle and, uh, and see if we can you know, participate. So uh, I'm, just a show of hands, if you, if you know it, this one right here, Nationwide is on your... I said a show of hands. Okay, okay, okay. It's okay, it's okay. That's all right. This one, this one, okay, before you give it away, I'm going to call on you, all right? So whip your hand up in the air, and I'll call on you just so you know what you're getting. Um, you're getting a peanut butter egg is what you're getting. Does anybody like peanut butter eggs right here? If you have a peanut allergy, we have other things like, you know, Twix and Kit Kat bars and things like that. But um, so that's what you're getting. So, all right, that was a practice one. So let me, let me just see here. Next one, next one. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of. Okay, that was, a, that was my practice. <laughs> that was my practice. Who, who, who knew it was, what is it? Who knew? Peace, there you go, there you go. Peace, there it is. All right, all right, all right, all right. We got more, we got more. Don't worry, don't worry, we got more. Okay, the best part of blank, blank, is folders in your cup. Rhonda, what do you got? Waking up, yes, waking up, right? Who knew it? Who knew it? Who knew it? You knew it. You all knew it. You all knew it. All right, all right, here's another one. Here's another one. Have it your way right away at blank, blank. What is it? Who knows? Show of hands. Who's got it? What do you got? Burger King, yes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. All right, here's a, here we go, here we go. Double your blank, double your fun. This is a tough one. Double your blank. What do you got? What do you got? Pleasure. Yes. Nice job. Can you catch? Here we go. Here we go. Nice catch. Nice catch. Nice. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, how many more do we have left? How many more? Three more. Okay, okay. Like a good blank, State Farm is there. Josh. Neighbor, got it, got it. All right, all right, this is going to be a tough one. This is, I think, I don't think this is going to be a tough one. And I'm going to try to do the jingle, so, so don't, so, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, ba-da-ba-ba, yeah, right here. You're loving it, yes, yes, my man goes to McDonald's. He goes to McDonald's, absolutely. Oh, okay, all right, all right, all right. 
All right, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Two all beef patties, special sauce, blank, cheese, blank, onions on a sesame seed bun. Who knows it? You know it? Lettuce, pickles, correct. Yes, that is correct. We didn't fill in the answers. We just hopefully knew that what it was. There you go. Lettuce and pickles. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. So, so you're like, why are you... Why are you? If you want candy, I got more candy. If you, want, if, you, if you need candy, I'll give you more candy at the end. So you say, why are you talking about jingles? Well, here's why. Here's why. Because, because. Now, they didn't call them jingles back, you know, in, you know early, early first century. They didn't call them jingles. They called them creeds. They called them creeds. And they wrote creeds in order for them, because many of them are, are not as you know, smart as, as you. Many of them couldn't read and couldn't write. And so they would, have, they would write these creeds, which were similar to like jingles, to help them remember what was important, what was important. And so the Apostle Paul, he wrote, he's, he, didn't, he wrote this letter to this church in Corinth. And he's using this letter, or he's quoting from a creed that they heard, they heard you know, you know, a few years prior to, to, to it. So here's, here's the way that it starts. Here's the way that this creed starts. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received. So the Apostle Paul, he said, I, so who's talking? It's the Apostle Paul. And the reason why we know it's the Apostle Paul is because the Apostle Paul wrote 13 letters to different regions and different churches, you know, in, in, in the ancient world. Now, that is, and if you're, you know, not sure about Christianity and, you know, you're not sure about faith, that's okay. That is debatable. 13 letters. Christians believe that he wrote 13 letters. But what isn't debatable, what is undisputed is that the Apostle Paul, formerly known as Saul of Tarsus, he wrote these books. Now, these are undisputed books or undisputed letters that Paul wrote. He wrote Romans. He wrote 1 Corinthians, which I, what I just shared with you. He wrote 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, and Philemon. These are undisputed. These are not debatable. No scholar will ever argue the fact, whether they're a believer, whether they have faith, or they don't. They won't argue the fact that the Apostle Paul wrote these books. These are undisputed evidences or letters that the Apostle Paul wrote these books. And so when he wrote 1 Corinthians 15, everybody, everybody knows that that's who wrote 1 Corinthians 13. Now, here's what's interesting, because here's oftentimes sort of the knock on Christianity. The knock on Christianity is, well, these letters were written, you know, centuries or, or generations later. That isn't true. That isn't true. As a matter of fact, you can go back, and, and Google is your friend here. You can go back, and you can search, and you can research, and you can dis you'll discover that, yeah, all scholars say, whether they're believers or not, all scholars say that the Apostle Paul wrote these letters. And the Apostle Paul specifically wrote 1 Corinthians, and somewhere around, with, and I have a timeline for you, so uh, here it is. He wrote 1 Corinthians somewhere around 55 A.D., 55 AD. Now, Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected in 30 AD. So you have, from the time that the Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians, to the letter to the church in Corinth, there's a 25-year period, there's a 25-year gap that he's talking about 
you know, certain things. He's talking about some things that he, that he calls important. He says they're important. Now, here's what we also know in history. We also know that Paul visited Corinth and gave them this news. So he says that what I delivered to you. So when he said that in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, what I delivered to you. And so when he delivered that, he delivered that in, in 51 AD, in 51 AD. But then we know that Paul went on his first missions trip. He went on his first missions trip in 44 AD, in 44 AD. And on his first missions trip, the apostle Paul was talking about the resurrection of Jesus. He's talking about it. So many will think, well, Christianity is a myth because so, many time, you know, so much time went by, so many you know, generations went by before they started writing. That's not true at all. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to this church in Corinth in 51, and on his first missions trip in 44, he's talking about a risen Jesus. He's talking about a risen Jesus. Now, even before that, even before that, in 35, now you're talking five years, five years from the claims of a resurrection, within five years of the claims of a resurrection, Paul has met with Peter and James, and Peter and James confirm what they saw. And Paul would even say, I saw him alive as well. That within a five-year period, not hundreds of years later, because they say, you know, after 80 years, you know, something becomes a myth, it becomes a legend. Within five years, within five years, they're talking about a risen Savior. They're talking about a risen Jesus that they physically saw with their own eyes that he died on a cross. And they physically saw him alive on the third day, just like he said he would. And so Paul, he's finishing this creed. Remember, it's a jingle. It's a creed. It's helping them remember. Look what he says. He says, for I delivered to you as a first importance. So he says, this is, I mean, if, if anything is, there's nothing really more important than this. He says, I want you to know that this is the most important thing that you can know. He says, I deliver to you as a first important, which also I received. So he received it from Peter and James, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he died for our sins according to the scriptures. So he's still going on with the creed, verse 4. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So what Paul is saying here is this. He's saying, you know that creed? You know that jingle to help you remember things that are important? He says, I want to give you something that's the most important thing that you can have. I want you to know that the most important thing that you can know, and, he, and Paul knew it, and many other people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people talked about it within a five-year period, that Jesus died for your sins, and he was buried, which means he really died, he, he didn't just get badly injured and, you know, and, and recover. He truly resurrected. He was raised on the third day. He says, according to the scriptures. Now, what are those scriptures? He's talking about Jewish scriptures. He's talking about their scriptures. We call them, if you're a Christian, we call them the Old Testament. But if you're a Jew, you don't call them the Old Testament. You call them laws and the prophets, and those have been around for thousands of thousands of years. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament is made up of almost 30 different authors over a thousand year period, written in 39 different books. 
You're talking a long period of time, many different authors. And you know what they all come together on over that long of a period? They all come together on of what the Messiah will look like. And they all agree over a thousand year period that Jesus died. He had to die for your sins. That Jesus was buried, which means he really died. But he, it also tells us over that thousand year period, written by almost 30 different authors, that he would rise from the dead. And Paul is saying this is the most important thing that you can know in your life. He says, I want you to know, Paul is saying, I want you to know that this is, takes first priority. I hope that it takes first priority. And he says, the reason why it takes first priority is this. Because if there was no resurrection, there's no Christian. Without a resurrection, there's no Christian. If you, if you don't believe in a resurrected Jesus, then there's no Christian. If, there, if he didn't truly die, then we're wasting our time. As a matter of fact, Paul would say it this way. And he did. He said... If there isn't a resurrected Jesus, then our faith is worthless. Our faith is worthless. He says, my preaching is in vain, which means my preaching would be, would be in vain, that this would be a waste of your time and a waste of mine. He said, you know, if there wasn't a resurrection, he, said, he also said this, that you would still be in your sins. In other words, you would still be accountable for your sins if there wasn't. A resurrection. He also said if there wasn't a resurrection, that, that we would be, our hope would only be found in this life. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that my hope isn't just found in this life only. If you're a Christian here in this room, aren't you glad that your hope is found in a better place to come? Are you glad that you put your faith and your hope in a Savior who has made a way for you to have eternal life, to go to a place called heaven? I hope, I hope, I hope that you have that hope. And Paul would say, Without a resurrected Jesus, it's worthless. Without a resurrected Jesus, there's no point to this. Without a resurrected Jesus, don't even count on ever seeing your loved one again who has passed on if there isn't a resurrected Jesus. And then he says this, and again, this is all part of the creed. What is a creed? It's a jingle. It's a jingle to help us remember. So here's, what, look what he says now, 1 Corinthians 15, 5. And that he appeared to Cephas. Now you say, who's Cephas? Cephas is Peter. Many of you probably have heard of Peter before. To Peter, then to the twelve. Verse 6, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. Now, this is so interesting. When Paul is writing this, remember, he's writing this early. He's writing this within a 20 to 25 year period of, a, of the claims of a resurrected Jesus. As he's writing this letter to this church in Corinth, here's what he's telling them. Here's what he's telling them. Fact check me if you want. Fact check me. If you, want, if you, want to, if you don't believe that, that he died, was buried, and rose again, fact check me. Go back to Jerusalem. He, he said you could take a short trip back to Jerusalem, and you could go back there, and you will find people who are still alive that will tell you that they saw him alive. 
And he appeared to Peter and he appeared to the 12. And right here he's saying, listen, he appeared to more than 500 people all at one time. Now, how do you maintain that? How do you maintain if it wasn't, if it didn't happen, if the resurrection was a hoax, if the resurrection was a lie, how can you maintain, how can you keep up with that lie? You don't. It doesn't happen in that way. But I love this, what he says. He says, he says some have remained until now, but some have fallen asleep. Now, I'm a Bible dork, all right, and I just love picking up on these the terms here and the way that they use. But the Christians, that, especially like Paul and Peter and James who, who wrote most of our New Testament, they would call death falling asleep. They wouldn't even really describe death by saying that they died. They wouldn't say it that way. They would use the term, and they got it from Jesus in, in, in John chapter number 11 when Jesus told you know, Lazarus' sisters that he's not dead, he's asleep. And Lazarus' sister's like, yeah, yeah, he's dead. He's been dead for three days. And Jesus is like, no, he just fell asleep. He just fell asleep. And so they would use these terms, or this term, fallen asleep. You know why? Because here's what you know and here's what I know. Last night, at some point, you fell asleep, right? You fell asleep. And then you woke up. I just blew your mind right there, didn't I? You're like, I came to church to hear this. Yeah, listen, Here's what, here's what you know. Here's what you know. When you fall asleep, you're going to wake up. When you fall asleep, it's just temporary. It's just temporary. So what Christians believed and what Paul would say is this. He said, some are still alive, and you can go and fact check me if you want, that he appeared you know, to certain people. He appeared to over 500 people. But he says, some have fallen asleep. In other words, they died, but they woke up in a better place. They died, but they are in a better place because of the hope that they had in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then he goes on and says this in verse 7. He says, then he appeared to James. Now, you say, who's James? James is the brother of Jesus, the earthly brother of Jesus. Now, I say this oftentimes, but man, when I told my family that I was going to be a pastor, they had a hard time believing that I was going to be a pastor, if you know anything about my past and my family knew me the best, they were like, you're going to be a pastor. I can't wait to see how long this lasts, all right? Can you imagine trying to convince your brother that you're the son of God? Can you imagine trying to convince your brother that you're the savior? But that's what happened to James. As a matter of fact, if you read the Gospels, Jesus' earthly family thought Jesus was crazy. They thought he was off his rocker. They thought he was nuts. They thought he was, I mean, because he was, the claims that he was making and, and James was going, listen, you know what convinced James that his brother truly was the son of God? He saw his brother die and then he saw his brother alive. Wouldn't that convince you? And so when James writes his little letter, do you know what James writes about? James says this, I am James and Jesus is my Lord. Not Jesus is my brother. No, no, no. He says, Jesus is my Lord. He's my Lord. And he goes on and he says, and to the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Who's me? Paul. 
Paul's like, even he appeared to me. He appeared to me. And now many think, how is it? Maybe Paul was lying. Maybe Paul was making it up. So here's why I, I don't think that Paul was making it up. Here's why. Because here's what, we, here's what we know. And here's the sort of the creed. Here's the creed. Here's the Jesus jingle creed, okay? That Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose from the dead and was seen. That Christ died for our sins and was buried and he rose from the dead and was seen. This is the most important element to the claims and the proof and the facts of a resurrected Jesus. That not just that he died, because a lot of people do that. And not that he was buried, because a lot of us, that happens too. But that he resurrected, and the reason why we believe and we know on top of mountains of other evidence is because he was seen, he was seen alive. And he appeared to Peter, and he appeared to James, and he appeared to the, all the disciples, and he appeared to over 500 people all at one time, and he even appeared to Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee. It was a Pharisee who believed in a completely different religion. He, he gave his life to another faith, to another religion. And here are why I believe that Paul's letters, what Paul's letters prove, or this, this particular letter in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul's letter proves that the resurrection was not a product of decades of oral traditions. It was within a short period of time. It wasn't decades that passed by. It was within five years that Paul was talking about a resurrected Jesus. B, that belief in the resurrection was documented while eyewitnesses were still eyewitnessing. So people that were saw Jesus alive, they were still alive. Some fell asleep, but they were still alive. And Paul said, I can prove it. Go and you'll find people that will tell you that they saw him alive while people were still eyewitnessing. And the third reason, I believe, is that a Pharisee, the apostle Paul, or Saul of Tarsus, then he later went by his Roman name, Paul, a Pharisee who made it his personal mission to persecute the church of Jesus. It was his personal mission. Remember, Saul later became Paul, who wrote 1 Corinthians 15. It was his personal mission to snuff out this thing called the way, to snuff out this thing that we call today Christianity. It was his personal mission to go and to persecute and to execute Christians, people that became followers of Jesus, people that he made the claims of a, of a resurrected Jesus. It was, it was his agenda. It was his you know, personal mission to snuff it out, to snuff it out. And he would claim that he was zealous about it. But then, but then, he became a proponent for the church of Jesus Overnight. Now, how does one guy go from hating followers of Jesus to overnight becoming a follower of Jesus? How does one guy go from believing a certain belief system, a belief system that was based on behavior, 
a belief system that was based on doing good, a belief system that was based on keeping God's commands and keeping God's laws, to all of a sudden, overnight, switching to not following you know, a bunch of rules and commands and celebrations you know, and sacraments, that he overnight started following a person by the name of Jesus. How does that happen It happens when you see a risen Jesus. It happens when you see firsthand that he's alive, that he's alive. That's how that happens. And it happened for guys like Peter, guys like Peter who denied Jesus. And if you grew up in church, you know that Peter denied Jesus three times. And then after he denied Jesus, he went and ran and hid. And he he was acting as a coward because he thought, man, if they they crucify him, they're going to crucify me. And so I'm out of here. So he denies his, his Lord and he goes and he hides like a coward in a house, locked door behind him, you know, behind him. And so this happened not to just Peter, but happened to all of most of the other disciples as well. People that hung out with Jesus for for many, many years and watched Jesus do some amazing things. But then overnight, overnight, they start being courageous. Overnight, they start being bold. Overnight, they start to get, get confidence to proclaim, you know, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. How does this happen? How does a brother of Jesus, you know, all of a sudden who doesn't believe that his brother is the son of God, now calls him his Lord? How does that happen? It only happens because they saw Jesus alive. And so after Peter and all the disciples were hiding and after they saw Jesus alive, they start preaching to people. Look what they say. Look what Peter says and and the other disciples say. Look what he says in Acts 2. Look, look, Look what he says. He says, men of Israel... There's now thousands of people gathered there in Jerusalem. He says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst. In other words, you were there. You saw him do it. You saw him perform miracles. You saw him perform wonders. You saw him perform miracles. Signs, you were in the midst of it. Just as you yourselves know, they saw it firsthand. Then he goes on and says this. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You know what Peter's saying? He was saying this, that what you tried to do to Jesus and by you trying to end Jesus' life was all a part of God's predetermined plan. And what they were saying is this, at the most difficult time in our life, the most challenging time in our life, the time where it looked like God wasn't up to anything, that God wasn't exi- didn't exist, that God didn't care, and that time, it meant that this, that God was doing everything in that moment. That when they thought that it was over, when they thought that it was finished and that they had to go back to their old life, God was, had a predetermined plan. And he goes on to say this, and you, he's talking to the very people, you gotta be in this, in this. he's talking to the very people 
who crucified Jesus. He's talking to the very crowd of people that were yelling out, crucify him, crucify him. He says, you, you crucified him. But I love this, verse 24, but God raised him again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. In other words, death couldn't hold him down. It was impossible for death to hold him down. And then he says this, look at he says, verse 32, this Jesus God raised up again, to which we, Peter and others, hundreds of others, in which we are all witnesses. Witnesses. And then it says in verse 37, it says, now when they heard this, They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? I, Peter, Paul, I hear your argument. I hear what you're saying. I can see how your life was transformed. Paul, I can see that you were once a persecutor of the church, but now you're a proponent of the church. James, I can see now that you were his brother, his earthly brother, but something happened that that changed your life forever. And they would say, yeah, what will change our life forever is that we saw him die, we saw him buried, and we saw him alive. That's what changed our life forever. And these guys, these guys, Peter, Paul, James, all of the other disciples, these guys were willing to give their life for it. Now people die for what they believe all the time, but nobody dies for a lie. And they were put in a position to know if it was true or not. Nobody dies for a lie. And they because their hearts were pierced, and maybe that's you today. Maybe what I'm saying today is something that had nothing to do with me, but had everything to do with what God wants to do in your heart. And maybe you feel God's piercing your heart right now. And they ask the question, and maybe it's a question that you're asking yourself, well, what should I do? What do I do? And here's what he says. Peter said to them, repent. Repent. In other words, Turn around. In other words, quit living for yourself. In other words, quit doing your own thing. In other words, quit thinking that your way is the best way. In other words, stop thinking that your life is, you know, if you just do enough good and if, you, if your good outweighs your bad, that that's going to get you to heaven. Listen, listen, that's not how it works. That's not the plan of God. The plan of God is to offer forgiveness and, to, and grace for every single person, regardless of their past, regardless of what they've done, regardless of what their behavior is, regardless of what they're going through, that Jesus is offering, offering forgiveness to every single person because Paul said in Romans that for all have sinned and fallen short of God. Everybody needs a Savior, and He is the only way to the Father. And anybody that can predict His own death, His own burial, and His own resurrection, He's the guy that I'm going to follow. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm following. And so He's offering forgiveness. 
for every one of us. And it is a free gift. It is not about behavior modification. It is about belief in Jesus. It is about putting your faith and putting your trust into his hands. And what he's telling all of us is this. It's time to turn around. That's what repent means. I know it, you know, it sounds like a harsh word, but that's what repent means. Repent means just turn around. Turn around and go in another direction. Go and follow him. Follow his lead. Follow what he wants in your life. And I'm telling you, anybody that's a follower of Jesus, he makes your life better and he makes you better at life. And so Peter said, right now, repent. Repent of your sins and receive Jesus. Receive Jesus as Lord, as Lord. And then he says, and each of us be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they were, they were following that up. They were following that up with a decision to, to be baptized, to get baptized. In other words, the baptism was a picture of something. That baptism is a picture of, the, of, of a beautiful picture that we're going to show here in a second. But he goes on and says this, verse 39, for that promise, for the promises for you, of forgiveness, the promises for your children, that forgiveness, the promises for all who are far off, the promise for you is that you can have eternal life. So then, verse 41, so then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. In one day, thousands of people were pierced in the heart repented of their sins, were baptized to show a public profession of an inward belief, to show a picture, the most beautiful picture in the world, that baptism is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And you know what's gonna happen in just a second when we start baptizing people? You are gonna be witnesses of it. Isn't that amazing? That's, what, that's why they would say, what do we do? How do we do this publicly? How do we make this next step? Well, he says, you just, you just get dunked. That's what baptism means. It means to get dunked, right? Real theological right there, right? Just to get dunked into the water. Because when you get dunked into the water, it shows the beautiful picture of his death, burial into the water, and his resurrection out of the water, and you are witnesses of it. You get to see it. And so if you're here today, if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor right now, right here, right now. But just bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm not gonna embarrass anybody. I'm not gonna come to anybody. I'm not gonna make you get up out of your seat at all. But if you're here today, right here and now, and if you've never received Jesus, the most important thing, the most important thing that you can do in your life, if, according to Paul, he, says, he said the first importance, first importance, he, he, he died, he was buried, and he rose and he was seen. He died, he was buried, and he rose, and he was seen. So if you're here today, if you're here today in this room, I wanna just encourage you to put your life, put your life, put your trust, lean your trust into him. The Bible says that put, don't put your trust in your own ways. 
Lean not into your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him. I want to encourage you right here and now, if you, if you don't know Jesus, I want, you to, I want you to put your trust in Jesus. If there's something that is going on in your life right now, in your heart right now, it isn't me. It's the working of God in your life right now. As God says that you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. And that purpose is that you believe. Not that you behave better, because that's not what this is about. What this is about is that you believe and you receive the free gift of grace. That it's been extended, and it's a promise for you. It's a promise for you and your children and all who are far off. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's not a prayer that's going to save you. It's just a belief in your heart. That's, where, that's what saves. It's a belief in your heart. That's what saves. If you're a Christian here in this room and you've already put your faith in Jesus, would you pray for those that are in here? Would you pray for those that are in here today that maybe have never received Jesus right here, right now? Everybody's praying for you. Everybody is for you right now. Would be excited. As a matter of fact, more important than that, heaven is going to have a party when you put your faith in Jesus. Heaven is going to start shouting joy when you put your faith in Jesus. That's what's going to happen right here, right now. If you can receive Jesus. Listen, I can sit down with you. I would be happy to and, and lay out just mountains of evidence to support the claims that he rose. But right here, right now, maybe God's speaking to you. And right here, right now, God's challenging you to receive him, to receive him. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer. It's not the prayer that saves. It's the belief. Let's pray. Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I know that I fall short. I fail. I can't even keep my own rules. And I fall short of you and I need a savior. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you took the punishment of death and hell for me. I believe that you were buried and I believe that you rose again and were seen by many. I believe that. Would you come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're gonna baptize some people. Just like Pastor Chris said, everyone, man, what an amazing thing. And what the steps are, they're simple. It's putting your belief in Jesus. It's putting your, your trust in him. For the sacrifice that he made on a day like today, the sacrifice that he made, that he, then he rose and was able to, and was able to then uh, just be witness. And so many people were witnesses of it. And what an amazing thing. And what's beautiful about it is that we have some individuals that know him and that want to testify through this way, that they know him, that they know him. What an amazing thing. Each of them have individual stories, each of them individual journeys in life, which is so interesting and unique that we all meet Jesus. He meets us where we are, right? He meets us where we are. And then he just walks us along a specific journey for each one. The first individual I'm going to uh, call in is someone really, really close to me. It's a special moment for him. And I'm going to let him walk in and introduce himself. What's your name, son? I'm uh, Andrew Risky. Over the last couple months, I've just been 
man, just honored to be able to just walk with Andrew in his steps of life and just be, be a part of his life. I've seen him around here helping, and it started with that. Like I said, each journey is unique. He started with serving and started with being willing to be uh, hands and feet and just anything that he could do, he got into. And similar, I think that's why we're kind of close, similar to that, to myself, he just saw. And then he believed. He was like, man, this is real. And as he progressed and now where he's at in his journey, he's ready to say, you know what? I want to show people that I believe in Jesus. And what a beautiful way. So it's an honor for me to be here and baptize Andrew. So Andrew, do you believe Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? And do you, do you believe that he rose uh, uh, the third day? Well, today, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. All right, so our next individual is going to come down and he's going to introduce himself as well. I'm Reese Schroeder. So similar to Andrew as well, Reed has been around here. His whole family is here at church. They are involved, um, do pretty much anything that we ask. And I think, again, just like each journey is very similar, you dispose yourself to just want to serve and do things, and then God starts working, right? He starts working in your life. He starts speaking to your heart. And Reed, you might have not seen him earlier, but he was in the sound booth doing our sound. And, man, he just has been a crucial part uh, of this ministry in my life just as his family. So it's an honor and a privilege to, to be here uh, with Reed today. So, Reed. Do you believe Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and that he rose on the third day? I do. By your profession of faith, my brother, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Come on, come on, come on. So, yeah, so how, this is just incredible. I was able to, uh, come on, man, come on in. So tell everyone your name. Tell everyone your name. Chris Bagnow. Chris, uh, I had the privilege of being able to uh, marry Chris and his wife and uh, be a part of their, their, their special day. And, uh, and he, we, him and I have been talking about, you know, this for, you know, a number of weeks now. And I thought, you know what, there's no better day than Easter to, to, be get, to get baptized and so I'm, I'm excited to be able to baptize you today. All right, do you know, Chris, do you know Jesus is your personal Savior? Yes, I do. Awesome, awesome. Uh, by your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Praise and likeness of his God. Praise and likeness of his God. Tell everyone your name. Adam Percha. Adam and I, man, we've been just got to know each other just a few weeks ago, and uh, and uh, I had the opportunity to uh, be a part of his grandfather's uh, funeral, and, uh, and and be a part of that family. Uh, Adam's grandma is my neighbor, uh, so Carol is she's around here somewhere and here somewhere. But uh, I'm just honored to be able to get to know Adam and uh, and watching Adam just continue to grow in his faith. Adam, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Yes, I do. Awesome. 
by your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Very much to the death. Praise my brother. Is everyone your name? Andres Manek. Andres and I, man, Andres and I and Karina have been coming to church for a while. Uh, you know, it's a few years now, a few years. And and uh, Andres and Karina have are part of our uh, Empower group. And uh, at uh, one of our Empower group nights, um, you know, sometimes I get a little bold and, and start asking people if they've been baptized. And and uh, Karina's like, I've been praying for Andreas for five years that he gets baptized. And you ask him five seconds, and he says yes. You know, So, um, so it's, it's pretty exciting that, uh, to be able to be a part of, of this day. Andreas, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Yes, I do. Awesome. By your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Very much to the death. Praise and like This is my, my main man, Kevin. Kevin, uh, him and I, like, same, similar. We just started to get to know each other. Uh, we just have the kindred spirits, and, and uh, we're just, we're just lo- loving an opportunity to get to know and, and grow in our faith together, and I've just been enjoying it. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, m- many, many conversations over the last uh, number of weeks, and uh, so I'm just excited today to be able to get uh, baptized you today, Kevin. Kevin, do you know yes, Jesus yes. as your Lord and Savior? I do, for many, many years. Awesome. By your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Very much in Praise and love Awesome. So this is, tell everyone your name. My name is Wyatt Guthrie. So this is uh, Kevin's son, Wyatt. And uh, and Kevin was listening uh, when I, a couple weeks ago when I was talking about you know, how it shouldn't be just somebody like me that baptizes people, that, you know, others should, you know, go and make disciples and baptize people. So Kevin is like, I'm going to get baptized, and then I'm going to baptize my son Wyatt. And uh, I thought, okay, all right, so I'll make make room for you to do that. Just make sure he goes underwater. That's how you got to do it. Okay. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, I baptize you. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Get out of the way, get out of the way. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Here, I'll help you, I'll help you. This is, this is, they're all worth staying for, but this one right here, this is. She's just swimming, man. She's not touching at all. She's just hanging on for dear life. Uh, tell everyone your name. Her name is Rosalie, everybody. She said it. She said it. 
Okay, Rosalie, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Yes, she does. Yes, she does. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. So Rosalie, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I got to tell you about Rosalie. So <laughs> Rosalie, I mean, she's like, you know, small in stature, but her faith is giant. Like, she is just, her faith, her love for Jesus, her wanting to honor God in her life. Man, you need, you need to, if she's willing to talk to you, you need to talk to Rosalie because she will give you that boost of faith. She's absolutely incredible. And, and the best part is that she's just beyond sweet. And anytime she sees me, she gives me a kiss on the cheek. So it's all worth it uh, for me. So, um, so she knows Jesus as her Savior. So you just can't keep them. She's still here. She's still here. <laughs> By your profession of faith, I baptize you, my little sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Very much until the death. Praise and love you. Oh, goodness. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking around. Uh, for that. You saw that. That's the picture. Death, burial, resurrection, and you saw it. And that's the claims that we have. That's the claims that we have. God bless you. Happy Easter.